Greetings and welcome to the Golf Betting System Podcast 98. We're discussing the Shriners Open on the PGA Tour and the Open Spania on the European Tour. This podcast is for listeners of 18 and above. Please be gamble aware. I'm Steve Bamford, PGA Tour Preview at Golf Betting System. And with me, we have Golf Betting System's European Tour expert, Paul Williams. Good morning, Paul. Good morning, Steve. How's things? Very good. Very good indeed. Good. GolfBankSystem.co.uk is our website, naturally available on social media. You can join our Golf Betting System Facebook group. The link is available in the description box. Paul's available at Golf Betting. I'm available at Bamford Golf on Twitter. Look out for the Golf Betting System YouTube channel where I present the Golf Betting Show every week. Just recorded the Shriners Open show. Uh, podcasts available on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, Buzzsprout, and YouTube. Now, have a rather long and detailed and very much appreciated uh, review here to read from last week. It's from uh, Viaticus, and he is in the UK. It's actually Graham from London. Uh, five stars, a must tool for serious golf punters. I've been better. Uh, I've been betting on golf for around 15 years, focusing mainly on the US PGA Tour. It has been challenging at times finding the right type of information and statistics that are needed to make informed decisions. These guys really nail that aspect. The course breakdowns, the skills required that week, recent form, legacy results, even down to who lives near the near that the tournament venue in the, the week. It's invaluable. I now wait for the podcast before making my picks. You have to. I also then cross-reference my chosen stats selections against the predictor model. This is an amazing tool that really helps me confirm my decisions. I don't use it to make my picks. I use it to make sure I haven't missed anything and support my decisions. If, like me, you're a golf fan but picking winners and making profit is a priority, you're not doing due diligence if you're not using the tools at Golf Betting System. Thanks, Steve and Paul, and keep up the good work. That's from Graham in London. That's a fantastic review, Graham. Thank you very much for taking the time to write that and uh, for your kind words. I'm very pleased that you uh, get a lot out of the site, not just the podcast, but also the, the stats and the predictor, as you said in the review as well. So, um, fantastic stuff. It's where we're at, isn't it? Hmm. Brilliant. No one would follow my tips right now. That's for certain. <laughs> this, the, the, you know, aside from the previews and the you know our view of who we think is going to go well, there's there is a lot of other other stuff on the site to uh, to get your teeth into. So uh, mm. I know people dip in and out of various parts of it to, to their heart's content, which uh, yeah, each for their own. Absolutely, hundred percent on that. Last week I had. Uh, Varner in the mix, well, kind of in the mix. Uh, if he'd have shot something 68, 67 on the f- Sunday, he'd have got a mm. place. Uh, I had Fritelli, who was th- third after 36 holes, then started three putting from four feet on Saturday, never a winner. No. Uh, and then played really nicely once he was out of contention again on the Sunday. And he, fell a, spot, yeah, he, he? fell a shot shy, didn't he? That was that. That's an interesting one for golf punters. The dilemma about price and places. That particular week, last week, Fratelli was sixty-six to one, only at one outlet, which was Unibet, six places each way. Yeah. Elsewhere, fifty to one. 
So you think, well, God, I, can't, I can't turn down 16 points. Mm. It's hard, isn't it? It is, yeah. 16 points and you're trading that off for two places potentially. Yeah. And, and then it comes and bites you on the backside. It comes and bites finishes, you on the arse uh, when you're a shot shy and you, you would have actually got a return with the eight places at the Yeah, it finishes in the tie for seventh and he gets sod all back, which uh, is frustrating. But uh, that is the choice you make, isn't it, unfortunately? Uh, you, on the other hand, managed to get a 100-1 to part return with Tom Lewis and 125-1 to one on Lagergan, full each way payout. So well done yeah. for that. It's a ni- yeah. nightmare tournament, I always think. It's uh, there's there's stuff to grab onto, but it is I know it's, it's often described as a lottery by punters, and I know a few few people, well, a lot of people, kind of steer clear or lower the stakes for the week. But um, I, I think if you, I think if you're careful about it and go for, well, I don't know, I, I didn't go mad with the picks. I only put four up last week, and. Uh, and ultimately, yeah, as you say, Lagergren finished in tie for third, so, so that was nice. Lewis um, a tie for fifth, so got a chunk of the each way back. Actually, Richie Ramsey was only a shot shy of sharing that fifth place as well. Um, Lowry start. Lowry started like a mug, didn't he? And then came through. In yeah, fact, he did. All, yeah. all four of yours were in the top seventeen in the end. Yeah, they were. Yeah, I, I had a nice week on DraftKings. Um, I came third overall in the. Uh, in the eight dollar DraftKings um, contest, big public contest, that was nice. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, it was not to get the winner was was a shame, but then I don't think um, I would have had Victor Perez, and I'm not sure many others would have picked him. Um, just looking at his raw stats I don't and think, history, I don't think many had Victor Perez or Cameron Champ. No, no, I mean Champ, we know is. You know, an, mm. an uber talented player, but he's shown very, very little, very little, yeah, highly inconsistent. I mean, with Perez, a few things came out, didn't they, in the commentary about him having moved to Dundee and his girlfriend studying locally, and uh, you know, we we knew that it was a it was a talent. It it won, um, I think, it won each year for the last three years on his various tours that he's been playing on, but uh, really hadn't quite stepped up to the. Uh, to the to the mark on the on the European tour, but he won it with uh, with some style in the end. I mean, Matthew Southgate, he got a feel for Southgate because he's got himself into a position a number of times. And I was sitting there, you know, how many times I've backed Southgate on links courses over the last uh, two or three seasons, and, yeah. and I scrubbed him off the list. He played there three times at um, Dunhill Links, and he missed the cut each time. So, despite everything, and I've, I've backed him when he's come into links events with poor incoming form and uh, you know been quite comfortable doing that and he was um he was off the list because he had played it three times and it it done nothing i mean he, you go back he's got form in the st andrews links trophy as an amateur he's got uh you know a wealth of links form out there but um, i just couldn't couldn't quite justify it. and then <laughs> you see him in with a great chance of winning the title but he really tightened up on the back nine from kind of the 14th onwards um he could just see the pressure building, and he, he put a massive amount of pressure on himself to to try and uh, try and get over the line. And ultimately, I think that was his downfall. He just needs to be able to get, overcome that, and he will win um, a lot of links based or similar kind of uh, events because that's absolutely his forte. It's all between yeah, the ears. This game, yeah, no, all between the ears, isn't it? I mean, we, we see it so many times. The players just. Uh, Really get defensive and and really tighten up when uh, when the finishing lines in sight. Whereas Perez, he just uh, he stuck to his game and uh, 
got the job done. Well done to him. Big prize for him. That's a big, a big pot for the uh, Dunhill Links and uh, some big, uh, big ranking points um, for him for the for the rest of the season. So good stuff. What did you reckon to Rory McIlroy's rant? <sighs> Sour grapes, wasn't it? And I, you look at it and you think, well, if you're not able to compete on these um, events or you're moaning that you can't compete on these events where the winning total is kind of 20 under or thereabouts, then go and work on your putting. But actually, it's not tended to be his putting that's been letting him down recently. He's actually been putting quite nicely. And I think he, I think he was a bit sour that he didn't win the um, the, the, the Pro-Am with his dad. Um, he got... Uh, Pipped on a technicality, didn't he, with uh, by Tommy Fleetwood, and um, I think that would have meant a hell of a lot to him to have won won, won that title with his dad, and uh, you know, just for his, I think it was for his dad's sixtieth birthday, it, um, it it got him that uh, that star, and uh, I think it, a few things came out that perhaps didn't need to. It doesn't need to be. Um, Disrespecting where the you know the, the the tour that gave him the, the leg up in the first place, I don't think it's a bit of a shame. But that's where he is. He, you know, he speaks his mind, and uh, he spoke his mind. I'm sort of honestly sick of coming back to the European Tour and shooting 15 under par and finishing 30th. I don't think the courses are set up hard enough. There are no penalties for bad shots. It's not a good test. Well, I suppose the point is, it's a pro am, isn't it? Well, it is a pro am. He knows so what it's he's meant. Into, it's meant to be set up easily, isn't it? Because you know yeah. you're playing with amateurs. If you, if what, you set if it up you... like an open championship, some of these guys would be shooting 40, 50 over par. Why doesn't he come and play Valderrama then? You know, he, he, the, the doors open for him to come and play an event like that. But uh, you know, or, or the Indian Open or something where there's going to be, a, you know, there's going to be a, a, a real challenge. The scoring isn't going to be, you know, as low as uh, as, as you say a pro am at the Dunhill Links where you know you've got to be making birdie every third hour, otherwise you're not uh, you're not keeping up with the pace. Sour uh, grapes, Steve. On this particular independent review um, or article, it says, moreover, the last eight winning scores on the PGR Tour read 17, 18 under, 21, 18, 25 under, 16 under, 22 under, 16 under. <laughs> yeah. And his Canadian Open win came at 22 under. Yeah. You talk about no penalty for bad shots. How many PGA Tour setups do you go to where you can absolutely spray it off the tee? Find your ball and play a shot into the green. There's no penalty on a number of tracks out in the in the PGA. Well, team. yeah, you're also playing 36 holes at the home of golf, which have the biggest green complexes in on on the world stage. Yeah, so yeah, yeah and he's, he's, he's been he's been undone at St Andrews in the past. Remember that round he played at. Uh, was it back in 2010? Was it when he, he shot 80 or 82 or something like that in yeah. the wind? He led after day one, yeah. Yeah, he knows damn well that uh, those Lynx tracks need some wind to protect him. And if it's not there, then they're going to, uh, you know, people are going to score. They're going to be shooting 62s and 64s at will. It's, it's that kind of setup. Hmm. <laughs> He's not playing in Las Vegas this week. That's a dead cert. We've got the Shriners <laughs> Hospitals for Children open. It's always a. Always a nice, succinct title. I call it the Shriners, so uh, we'll we'll stick to that. I think. Uh, by the way, Cameron Champ was as big as one hundred and fifty to one last week. We oh, no, was a big prize, wasn't it? Um, and we did say going for the green, strong driving golf course, and he 
ranked as he always does. It's one of those courses when you watch it and you read the the comments about Silverado. As long as you miss on the right side, fairways are academic because the rough is mm. because the rough is such a dry golf course. The rough is short, um, and then you play from there, and that's exactly what Champ did. So he'd, be, um, he'd been quite solid the week before. He was defending the week before, wasn't he? Um, yeah. Is that right? I think so. And uh, yeah, yeah, he, yeah, yeah. You know, it, without being spectacular, there were four solid rounds in there. But um, you know, we've seen before when he when his game's on, he's twenty um, eighth the week before. Yeah, I think he was as as ever strokes. He was uh, first for strokes going off the tee. Mm. But yeah, sixtieth, sixtieth for greens in reg, and sixtieth for putting average. It didn't really turn you on, but scrambled no. nicely. But yeah, emotional win got the job done. Um. A bit of a different tournament this week in Las Vegas at the Shriners. Uh, it's a it's a it's a true genuine resort golf course. Uh, gets clearly a lot of tourist and and local Las Vegas business traffic. Yeah. Desert golf course, resort in style, par seventy one, seven thousand two hundred fifty five yards, which at altitude doesn't even bear thinking about. I, I think a lot of the big hitters like a, a Fee now or um, an Adam Scott, if they chose to. Just play three, five iron off the tees on most yeah, of these yeah, holes, yeah. yeah. Uh, with the elevation, and they need to because it's um, it's one of those golf courses. It's one of those tests, and this sounds this, some of these numbers will sound a bit crazy, but it, it works through. Um, last year, we'll take twenty eighteen. Sixty nine point three seven was the average score around here. So on average, the players were one point six three under par. Yeah. So it was the 38th most difficult golf course of 49 on the tour. So genuine resort, wide fairways, 33 yards wide at 300 yards, which compares to 24 yards wide last week at Silverado, uh, and also 29 yards wide at Jackson. So we've got wide fairways, so similar to what we saw at Old White TPC. But there is a level of difficulty here. Um there's enough difficulty to discourage bomb and gouge, mainly because um, if you miss green complexes here, they are big, but if you miss them, this course is consistently in the top 10 most difficult for both scrambling and sand saves. Mm. So if you're not hitting greens, you are in serious trouble around it yeah. because... You know, it's a double penalty. You're scrabbling away to make par while others are making birdies. So it's a double whammy. So, you know, we're not looking for scramblers this week. If you are scrambling, you are in serious trouble. Yeah, yeah, you need yeah. you need to be hitting fairways metronomically and you need to be hitting greens metronomically. Now, let me read this through to you. Last four winners in terms of strokes gained... So we're looking here at DeChambeau, Cantlay, Pampling and Kaufman. Uh, we take the average skill sets across those four. Strokes gained off the tee, 10th. That's high. Strokes gained approach, 12th. Strokes gained around the green, 15th. Strokes gained tee to green, 5th. Strokes gained putting at a birdie fest, 31st. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. Translate that to, to, to traditional stats. 
Driving accuracy, 10th. This is across the last nine winners, so a bigger sample size. Driving accuracy, 10th. That's a huge number for the PJ. Yeah, and that kind of correlates with the strokes gain numbers you just read as well, doesn't it? Yeah. You know, some weeks, some tournaments, we can be seeing driving accuracy in the 40s. Yeah, yeah. 10th. Green's in reg 13th. So if you're slashing it from tee to green, you're not getting anywhere this week. Scrambling, 23rd. Putting average, 7th. So sometimes we see putting average as low as one or two or three. This week it's putting average of seventh and strokes gained average of 31st. What that suggests to me is that really this is a true ball striking test from tee to green where if you're hitting the ball close, you're making birdies on par fives with two putts, that's fine. You can sneak an eagle in there, absolutely fantastic. If you're hitting most of your par fours with GIR, and creating chances 8 to 15 feet and converting a few, you're going to be right in the mix. Yeah, it makes sense. This isn't really the course where you need to be actually making huge volumes of putts in terms of distance made. No, no, no. The, the key, is, as you said, is, is getting yourself in a position to score, get your proximity good, and that yeah. stems from hitting the fairway in the first place. And then... Uh, then make your fair share of putts. I suspect if you're putting mid 1.6 average in old money, you're probably there or thereabouts if you're hitting enough greens in regulation. Uh, yeah. A 1.67, 1.71 Cantley, 1.68 Pampling. So yeah, yeah it's, it's, not, it's none of this 1.59 business. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, proximity, yeah, that, that certainly, certainly helps. Uh, past winners, DeChambeau last year was at 14 to 1. Cantley was at 20 to 1 in 17. I was on board that week. That was his first PJ Tour win. And then we had some crazy pampling who hadn't won anything for years. Uh, he was 350 to 1. <laughs> uh, good luck with that. Uh, we had Smiley Kaufman at 250s who'd just come up from the web.com at the time. Uh, ben Martin at 225s. And then we've also got more obvious ones like Simpson at 20s, Moore at 14s, Nara at 60s, Bird at 50s. So a bit of a mixture. Um, clearly, I'm not plumbing the depths for 250 and 301 winners this week. But um, it does happen here on occasion. Although I will say, in my mind, I can't think of a better renewal than I'm seeing this week because we have a field that has the depth of Kepka, Cantlay, DeChambeau, Simpson, Scott, Tony Finau, Matsuama, Morikawa, Woodland, Neiman, and then we've got Champ, Snedeker, Hadwin, Kokrag, Benny Ann, Scheffler, Fritelli, Howell the third, Chesrevi. That's a good field. Yeah, it, uh, compared Matthew to what you Wolf. would have expected. Yeah. Exactly. Compared to what you'd have expected from an old um, full series event, yeah, um, it's it's way beyond that, isn't it? Way beyond. There's depth there, isn't there? You know, you, Answer, Poston, Cam Smith, Andrew Putnam. These are good players. Kevin Nar, Bubba Watson, Glover, Harmon, Piercy. There's depth there. Lots and lots and lots of depth. Mm. Now that uh, Graham on his. Um, very great, nice review mentioned that we do mention local players. And I'll just mention this here because it does come into fruition sometimes. 
in terms of players that have local links here. Now, if you're looking for players that live in this particular part of America, look no further than Alex Checker, Wyndham Clark, Ryan Moore, Kevin Nahr, Scott Piercy, Nick Watney, who played very nicely last week, Nick Watney. Played yeah, well. There's a couple of weeks away he's shown. Yeah. Playing very well at the moment, Watney. Mm. I think he could be a nice triple-digit punt. And also Aaron Wise, who is a sea of blue, Aaron Wise. So someone said something about Aaron Wise. Uh, he's a local lad as well. I'm trying to find Nick Watney and what price he is. But he's playing some nice stuff. Maybe you can help me with that yeah, while, yeah, I'm, yeah. while I'm, while I'm cracking look. on. Yeah, yeah. 110 to 1, um, yeah. a couple of places. with uh, Zach Johnson nine. interested me as well, Paul. Hmm. He yeah. putted very nicely, and he's been hitting the ball very well on approach. And all of a sudden, the putter connected at uh, Sanderson Farms two weeks ago. It, something's improving because last time I, I watched any watched him in any detail on TV, his iron game was dog awful. It was really mm. really poor, but um, he seems to be slowly coming round. And you'd expect from a player of his undoubted quality, um, he's not going to stay in the doldrums forever. Um, and again, it's a big price for Zach, one twenty five in a couple of spots as well. It's just he hasn't top ten for fifteen months, something like that. But the way the the way he was striking his irons, as I say, I, I think I followed him on a one of the featured groups um, a few weeks back for a couple of hours, and um, it was really poor. He was really you know, to the extent where you, you just scrub him right off your list. But as we know, you know, forms temporary with these guys, and they find something, mm. something clicks, and. Uh, you know, we start moving back in a positive direction again. Yeah, I think there's lots to be said about Watney. I think mm. that's the one that's... Him and uh, Zach Johnson would have come close for me. Um, personally, just looking at the winners here, I mean, there's one course that really shouts out. DeChambeau and Cantley, even Rod Pampley. Uh DeChambeau and Cantley, both winners at Muirfield Village. Even Rod Pampling's got a third at uh, Muirfield Village. Going back, you've got Kevin Nars, one here in 11. He's runner-up at Muirfield. Ryan Moore's been a runner-up at Muirfield. So there's something in that. And that shouts to me again, as I always call it, the cathedral of ball striking. Um, Muirfield Village. Yeah. And, and I think you just need the same skill set. I really do around here. Similar demands from tee to green, just with a yeah. more scorable um, end product at, uh, at Vegas, I think. And that takes me to Colin Morikawa, who I've managed to sneak in at 30 to 1. He was 30 to 1, wasn't he, on first show with Paddy Power? That got et away when I was awake at 5 a.m. this morning. That had gone. So I managed to sneak it seven each way with Bet Fred, at 50 odds. On Colin Morikawa. He's never played Muirfield Village. Don't forget, he's only played 10 PJ Tour starts. Yeah, in 2019. Yep. 14th in Canada, 2nd at 3M Open, 4th at the John Deere Classic, 1st at the Barracuda Championship, 10th at the Safeway Open. That's pretty mental stuff. Oh, he, that, yeah. That's John Rahm esque, isn't it? He's a superstar in the making, that boy. That's for sure. Um, Hits tons of fairways, 
Um, he's a 295, 300 plus man when he wants to be, no problem at all. But the beauty with Morikara is he's a total driving kind of guy. He actually hits it long, he hits it straight. His approach play is fantastic. Just a little bit bulky on the putter, but you know, you don't have to be the best of putters here. If you're hitting it into uh, you know those 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 key conversion distances, you'll make your fair share. Um, interestingly enough, that second at TPC Twin Cities, the 3M Open, was pure bent grass greens, as was the fourth at John Deere Classic. It's early on in his development, but we know that he can play on bent. We know that he can play, play on, a, on a mix of bent and poana as well, with the first at Montreux, 10th last week at Silverado. I, he was the first player on my list this week by a long way. Listen to this. 3M Open, 26 birdies. John Deere Classic, 2 Eagles and 16 birdies. Barracuda, when he won, 25 birdies. So it seems to me that at a birdie fest where scorable conditions are on offer, it, it just takes these courses apart. Yeah, we're nowhere near seeing the, you know, how no. good this, this, this kid really is and so... I think he's going to win a lot of events over the next. But I think yeah, Muirfield Village. If he's in any kind of form next uh, June, like next year when we arrive at um, Muirfield Village for the memorial, I think he'll be one on my list for certain. Mm. Yeah, he's he just that he's that ball striking mentality. Mm. Also, he's Californian born and raised. So Cantlay, California, Deshambo from California, that would be a trio of Californian talent if he was to win this this week. So um, he's the one for me at the top, Colin Morikawa. I did have a look at Adam Scott. The trouble with Adam Scott is I always find his price at 20 to 1 never a great turn on for a man that hasn't won for six, uh, would it be five years coming up for? Yeah, something like that. And he, he dropped away again last week, didn't he? After and he's, yeah, but he's so really wayward well. off the tee, Paul. Mm. Yeah, that's not his game, is it? He's added this to his list on the basis of, you know, you have to now, don't you, as a PGA Tour pro. Yeah. But he actually has a non-existent record in the desert of the States going back to when he's been playing, you know, since 1999 or whatever the year would be. He just doesn't play in the desert. Right. And his uh, well-matched play record at Dove Mountain, I think he scraped through a couple of first rounds and that was that. So that, that wasn't really the kind of no, no, no. Didn't appeal to me either, I must say. Who, um, who at the top of the market would you be backing? I, I have backed. Well, uh, the only yeah. one I have backed at the top is is Morikawa. Yeah, I think he's, um, I think he's a great bet this week. Um, it's a, it's a, it's a good field, and he's going to have to beat some good players. But um, I think the kid's going places, and uh, and is worthy of support at around the thirty to one mark. So I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. I must say. I mean, Cantley and DeChambeau clearly be- love the course, don't they? Great mm. records here. But, you know, Cantley's two-time winner at 12-1. to DeChambeau, if he gets... <laughs> it would really, really amuse me if they if they lump him with Brooks in the right, feature yeah. group. <laughs> that is just going to crawl, of course. You can imagine there's a lot of um, management talk, I would have thought, on DeChambeau's side to make sure that he doesn't get grouped <laughs> with Kepka. We shall find out later this evening. After this yeah. speed. Well, they try and avoid it, don't they, the PJ Tour? They don't like friction. Don't want the conflict. They don't want be, it, do that they? That would be hilarious, wouldn't it? 
uh, be compulsive viewing on the that uh, would, wouldn't it? featured groups. Yeah. I, I noticed last week that Justin Thomas and DeChambeau were split on opposite sides of the draw as well, because mm. there's a little bit of friction there as well. Yeah. Because it was Kepka and Thomas that were with DeChambeau at the um, Northern Trust when it all bro- broke out. Simpson hasn't really shown a lot recently, has he? Scott, I think, is just all like you know. He's so he's just so inaccurate off the tee. Whether he's going to have the mentality to just go with three and on three on on this golf course and actually hit fairways w- remains to be seen. If he does that, I think he's got a great chance. Yeah. I mean, he was top. He was first for putting average last week. Adam Scott. Yeah, it's mad thing. As I say, his yeah, stats have just kind of flipped on their head, haven't they? You you you'd expect him to be a strong tee to green player when he's playing well and uh, and you know putting at one point nine, but it's um it's all flipped completely on his head. And then you get Tony Finau at his at his usual twenty two to one. Hmm. Yeah, heading for his. Uh, he was right position. in the mix last week, wasn't he at St Andrews? Yeah, yeah, and dropped away. And then then the standard cold putter on Sunday. Yeah. It just does doesn't convert, does he? And again, they talked about it a lot in commentary, and everyone can see what a talented guy he is. But it's um, it's just those Sunday Sunday woes. It just doesn't mm. happen. Um. So I forgot about Matsuama. Matsuama, he, he's an enigma at the moment as well. The fact that players love Matsu, Matsuama's ilk is actually playing the Shriners suggests to me there's a there's a player desperately trying to find some form. Mm. Uh, more than anything else. Gary Woodland plays. Um, Yoking Neiman. Could he go win, win, place, win in three events? Potentially. Kind of player that will play well around here, Neiman. 33 to 1. Champ at 40. Snedeker at 45. I then plunged on Adam Hadwin at 45 to 1. That's my next tip. One and a half points each way. 45 to 1 for Adam Hadwin, who is an absolute desert resort golf specialist. I won't bore you with the numbers, but the one number that did just jump out at me when I worked it through was across the uh, Desert Challenge or whatever they call it, the old Bob Hope Classic. Desert he has classic. shot. He shot eighty-four under par the last four tournaments he's played there. <laughs> yeah, uh, he's won the. He's won on the Canadian tour. They play down in California in the desert. He's got top tens in the desert as well on the Corn Ferry. Uh, he's been t- he was tenth there in 2015 on debut. Now that's when he just become a PGA Tour rookie. That was his second event on the PGA Tour, and he finished tenth there. Mm. He's a far better player than that now. Yeah, yeah. Um, he was second, third for strokes going putting last week. Oh, sorry, he sits third for strokes game putting, 12th for greens in regulation and 20th for putting average across my eight-week trackers. Hitting lots and lots of fairways as well. I just think he's the sort that can plot his way around here. And and if we're saying that Yoking, Neiman and Jason Day are locks for Ernie L's captain picks, um, I think it would be hard for Neiman being a winner and a good world rank and clearly Jason Day will make it. There's two spots up for grabs. You know, Sung J.M.'s been playing brilliantly of late. Um, you'd hazard a guess that if Hadwin could get a, a win here or even a runners-up spot, he's got to be close to getting into that President's Cup squad that's being um, chosen in three weeks' time. 
Yeah, yeah. Needs must for these guys who got aspirations of. Can't just sit. In. You can't just chill out, can you? No. If you, if no. you want to make that team, you've got to keep. You know, you've got to keep pumping in results, and you just look at the rotor that's coming up. Um, he could play Houston next week, which doesn't feel Adam Hadwin and light to me. A long seventy-two. Um, he could, you know, he's likely then to go to the CJ Cup, which is a real bomber's golf course. Japan. I think this week is his best opportunity. A yeah. desert golf course, which is short and just strategic to a tee. I think that's Adam Hadwin down to the ground. Mm. Two more. First tip I actually wrote this morning at 5am was Brian Harmon. I know you're a bit of a Harmon fan, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. I, it, it, for certain tracks and uh, certain setups, tee to green, and he can be a good putter as well. He just struggles with length, doesn't he, off the tee? But I can see, I can see a logic with this, with it being at altitude and uh, clearly negating the need for uh, being able to smash it three ten off the tee. So. See, he didn't take to it straight off. I'll be, I'll be frank with you. But his last outing here in twenty sixteen, he was actually fifteenth. And looking the detail, he was in he was in the last couple of groups on the Saturday. Yeah. So he clearly started to get his head around it with an eight under sixty three on the Friday, and it seems to work to his strengths to me, as you said. Twenty fourteen John Deere Classic champion, he won that at twenty two under. He's won both of his titles on pure bent grass greens. And he's just playing some really nice stuff right now. It's for me, he's a he's a, an aggressive, nuggety kind of player, and he doesn't mind mixing it. You know that win that he had at Eagle Point, the Wells Fargo Championship. He stared down Dustin Johnson and John Rahm. Oh yeah, yeah, I remember it well. I was, I think I was on him the eighty to one that week. You were, yeah. And he had a very similar form pattern coming in. It mm. was kind of, I think, like a fourteenth, and then before that, he had a top six or seven. The the outing before that, yeah. Very, very similar pattern, the way that he's playing right now, Harmon. And I've always said this, at this time of year, someone in that kind of outside the 50 to 100 bracket, you have a good full full uh, autumn calendar where you, you pump in lots of good results in relatively weak fields and you can get yourself in that top 50 in the world again. You get that invite coming through for Augusta. If you're of the ilk of the mindset and you're in good enough form and confidence, you can really make hay at this time of year. And that's that's the kind of thing that I would put at Brian Harmon that he would do. Yeah. So I point each way 60 to 1, 8 place each way with Paddy Power on Harmon. And then more of a putter, but someone that's really caught my eye of late. I know there's a few on the Facebook group that like this guy because they landed a rather juicy win a while ago on him. JT Poston. Uh, won the Wyndham Championship in August at 22 under par. Yeah. And you just look at his record. It's just golf courses you can take apart. You know, uh, Puerto Rico Open, uh, the Barbasol Championship, 21 under. Uh, PJ West, the Desert Classic in California again, 20 under. Sedgefield, 22 under. Just loves golf courses where you're basically aiming for pins and, and, you're, and you're shooting low scores. Again, 67th in the world, JT Poston, after a good run of late. Another win right now would really boost him into the situation where all of his majors, all the WGCs are booked for 2020. Yeah, he'd be right on the brink, wouldn't he, of mm. top 50 if he was to, to win this. 
16th at the BMW at Medina, which was a which of course top seventy players on tour shows you that he will mix it. 66, 68 weekend, clearly confident. Uh, came out of the traps on fire at the Sanderson Farms. I think he was at eight under sixty four mm. to might have been co leading after round one at the uh, Sanderson Farms, which shows you that he's still in the right mindset to compete and contend. I think Poston at 66 to 1 here, eight places with Paddy Power is another good bet. He was fourth here two years ago. Yeah, there's Gro- lots to like. There is yeah, lots to like. hits fairways, putts really, really nicely. So I could see Poston being in there as well. So Poston, Harmon, Adam Hadwin, Colin Morikawa, they're the four that I've gone for. Mm. Um, I hope, I hope and pray that Harold Varner doesn't win this week. So again, I think I'll be jumping out of. Uh, Jumping out of the office window here. <laughs> I know um, Barry, you couldn't make it to the pod today. He's backed uh, Harold Varner this week, so uh, playing nice uh, stuff, Varner. He is, and Barry's in decent nick with his bets and his uh, his draft kicks teams recently. So, uh, so yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see Varner um, play well this week. But uh, we shall see. We shall see. You've gone for a big price, haven't you? I've gone for three big prizes, actually. I've gone for Murakawa at the top end, but I've gone for um, Cameron Percy at 150 to 1, mm. who's um, well, it's journeyman Australian. He's 45 years old now, but um, mm. he's actually at his highest world ranking right now for seven years. He's been playing some decent stuff. He had a decent, solid Corn Ferry campaign and started this PGA Tour season well too um, with... Uh, 11th place at the Sanderson from Farms. Shot 65 in the first round there, so he was second after the first day. And seventh last week at the Safeway. Finished off with a 67, which was one of the better rounds on the day. Um, and he gets in courtesy of that top 10 finish last week. So he's got to make, you know, take the make when he gets these opportunities, he's got to make the most of them really to uh, to get some decent uh, points and earnings on the board. If you look back through his uh, PGA Tour record, his best PGA Tour finish came here at TPC Summerlin back in 2010. Um, and you remember this playoff, Steve, because um, it's the one that Jonathan Bird won with an ace. One. Yeah, and it was virtually dark, wasn't it? And yeah. um, Percy and who was the other guy in the in the playoff? Would have been Martin Laird. Martin Laird, like that. yeah, that's right, Martin Laird. So Laird and Bird and um, yeah. and Percy in the playoff, and they they debated about whether they should play that final hole or wait until the morning because it was getting so dark. But uh, yeah. they they decided to play it, and so the rest history with Bird yeah. making that ace. But, Percy uh, that makes the, a lot of sense. Yeah, the kind yeah. of bloke that could sneak a top eight. Yeah. Yeah, there's uh, yeah. So I got him at 151 with top seven for that. But um, yes. Fred, yeah. uh, I think that's uh, that's that was a price worth taking on. Um, second, good, a very strong top twenty, top uh, top twenty bet. I'd suggest with Cameron Percy, top ten if you're in that kind of line of fire. Yeah, I think it, it, you know there's a lot of motivation for him to do well because, oh, yeah. as I say, for him to got to make hay, make, mate. Yeah, for him to make the um, field from his top ten last week, you know, this is bonus time. You go out there and you, you earn yeah. as much money as you possibly can. You got it. I've also gone for Zach Blair, who finished fourth last week. Um, he earned himself another crack at the PGA Tour following an excellent finish to the Corn Ferry season last year. Four top 10, 11 finishes in five starts. And then he got that win that he was looking for at the Ellie May Classic, 
which was I'm talking about decent scoring, 17 under that was that week, but on a par 70. So that's really quite a deep score, 263 total that was. And generally a straight hitter. What was noticeable last week um, at the Safeway that his short game was really on fire. Second for scrambling, first for total putts on the week. He took just 104 putts um, on the week last week. And that was after opening with a 75. For the final three rounds, 66, 66, 68 was by far the best three-round uh, aggregate score of the entire field last week after opening with a 75. Interestingly, he putted really well just before he got that Ellie Mae Classic win um, earlier in the year. So with confidence flowing through his putter, I wouldn't be surprised to see him going well again this week. And 200 to 1. Um, for a guy who finished fourth last week, I just couldn't resist that. I had to take that. Um, and the final one is completely left field. Um, well, well, perhaps, perhaps not. I mean, this has got this guy won quite recently, actually. Uh, Jim Herman, five hundred to one. The Hermanator. <laughs> the Hermanator, yeah. Um, uh, G- he is random as you like, isn't he? Um, oh, mate, but, you'll never read him. <laughs> but but uh, we've seen a couple of times that when he. Gets a gets a chance. He's well capable of actually winning an event, and yeah. you know some players simply can't get over the line. Whereas some players like Jim Herman, you get a sniff of it, and Ted Potter's another one. They do mm. absolutely nothing, and then uh, they get a sniff of a win, and bang, away they go, and they win at some obscene price. Yeah. So I've taken said obscene price of five hundred to one. He's just a, a he's a gir monster, isn't he, Herman? Just yeah. yeah. He, 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 again, and that that works around here. That yeah. works around here. I know. I noted with him. He had. I think his last finish here was the best that he's played here. Herman, top twenty, something like that. He's um, he's got an eighteenth here, and interestingly, yeah. during that time, uh, during during that round or that week, he shot a sixty-two, which is a mm. lovely low score. I mean, he, mm. he shot twenty-six under to win the uh, Barbasol and um, a few few starts back. So mm. clearly, can go very very low when his game's on. And yeah. it comes in comes in this week after miss cut miss cut. And he won his first event back in 2010 after seven consecutive miscuts. Yeah, yeah. You, you'd never pick, picked him out. No one, no one will be on him the week he wins, Jim Herman. He's, he's a bookmaker's dream when he wins. Absolutely. He, he, clear, you know, he clears the week. But, um, yeah, Herman, yeah, he's the sort. <laughs> yeah, I thought, again, going back to, and you read through some of the, uh, the winning uh, odds of the players here, and unless you get someone who's um, you know, glaringly obvious, some of the others yeah. are just absolutely mad prices so so yeah i've taken a pump with with the hermanator as you say to see how he gets on this week at a mad 500 to one but yeah they're, they're my three but yeah of the top and i've got to agree with you i think colin morikawa is a very strong punt this week now you've got a uh you've got a actual national open this week yeah you? yeah yeah off, off to spain for the open de spania and um, Bit of a low-key affair, to be fair, compared to some of the other um, Spanish Opens that we had in the past. And uh, It's a bit of an odd one, the Spanish Open, isn't it? Because sometimes you go to really tricky tracks that, uh, you know, par's a good score. They've played at Valderrama. They've played some coastal tracks um, earlier um, this in, you know, in the early 2010s where it's you know, some particularly tough tracks. This one looks like it's going to be the uh, polar opposite and... Uh, 
a proper birdie fest this week. But yeah, we've got this, and um, we've got uh, Italy. So we're back in the, the Rolex series um, next week. Um, so we've got the Italian Open, and then we've got France and Portugal. So we've got, I've got a good stretch of um, European action before the final series kicks in following the uh, the WGC HSBC Champions um, at the end of the month. But yeah, it's still still a decent event from a betting perspective, I think. And the new autumn spot for this um, for this event, as per Friday, the French Open um, in a couple of weeks' time, as per Wentworth, as we saw a couple of weeks back. So slight difference in um, in, in conditions, and we're returning to the Club de Campo in Madrid, which has hosted five Spanish Opens back in the nineties, um, and not hasn't hosted the event since as a Spanish Open. So going back into the 90s, you had the likes of Roger Davis, uh, Eduardo Molinari, Colin Montgomery, Seve won, Padraig Harrington won this event back in back in the 90s to give you a flavour of the type of player who was getting over the line back then. Um, the, the course has also hosted the Tour Espana Masters back in twin, uh, year 2000. Harrington won that again. So, so clearly Padraig really enjoys this particular trick. Um, open open to Madrid, two thousand and one to five. Won by the likes of Goosing, uh, Goosing, Goosen, Steen Tinning, uh, Ricardo Gonzalez won in twenty two thousand and three. Richard Sterney and Raphael Jacqueline. Raphael Jacqueline won this at twenty three under par on this track. Wow! Now Raphael Jacqueline, in my mind, is a grinder. For so for someone like Jacqueline to shoot twenty three under to win this. Um, to win an event on this particular track tells me a very strong story about the scoring potential of this layout. Uh, Charles Schwartzel was the last person to win on this track, Madrid Masters in 2008. He was in the early field but appears to have pulled out. Um, he's been mm. struggling with some injury I recently. I kind of just about remember that. Yeah, 2008. Yeah, so and that's the last time. So there have been a few changes since, but uh, materially it's the same course, just lengthened slightly. And the last three renewals held here um, were one at 19 under, 23 under, as I said, with Jacqueline, and 18 under. So that It sounds like you... Rory McIlroy's dream uh, location. I don't know why he's not playing this week. <laughs> he could go and tear the place up, shoot 25 He could be shooting under. 29 under and finish 10th. Yeah, yeah, he'd, uh, he'd need mm. to bring his uh, bring his putting shoes with him, I think, to, uh, to to be able to shoot that kind of score. Okay. But clearly, there's there's birdies and eagles to be made, which um, in in good conditions is going to be the order of the day here. It's a seven thousand one hundred and twelve yard par seventy one. It's been extended by around one hundred and fifty yards since they last played it. And but materially, as I say, the course is the same. They've just put some new teeing options to to try and counteract the fact that these guys are hitting it further and. Uh, harder than ever right now. It's a park and track, tree line course, bent power, uh, greens. But for me, it's far more like a um, like a traditional Italian Open, so a scorable tree line track than a than a Valderrama, yeah. for instance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, again, looking at um, looking at the conditions this week, it's going to be dry, sunny. Um, up to around about twenty, around about eighty Fahrenheit. Um, very light winds, five, it might eke up to seven, eight miles an hour, but negligible um, in that respect. So I'm expecting um, some decent low scoring once again this week, I think. Um, just looking through the um, the stats of the players, and there are some patchy stats available for, for those um, events held here 
after the um, Spanish Open um, moved to pastures new. Um, and generally, it's been decent enough um, accuracy. You don't have to be massively accurate. Hit a fair number of greens, but uh, performance on and around the greens has been fairly critical to success here. And given that you need to make a lot of birdies and keep your card as clean as possible, I think that makes a level of sense, really. Um, you need to be able to make the birdies. You need to be able to make eagles. Three par fives, which are all reachable. So attack those with a bit of power and... Uh, take your chances on and around the greens. Uh, just going back through, I mean, as I said, this is a nomadic event, so you're going you're gonna to have some variance in terms of the courses played. But just to give you an idea of the type of players that have won at the Spanish Open in recent times, 2010, Alvaro Quiros, 18 to 1. 18 to 1, he must have been playing some cracking stuff back in the time, back in 2010. And nothing like that, you could say 10 times the price on that nowadays. Um, Thomas Aiken, 45 to 1 the year after. Francesco Molinari, 16 to 1 in 2012. Uh, Raphael Jacqueline, again, 55 to 1. There's clearly some correlation with Jacqueline and, uh, the, and, and Spanish tracks full stop. 55 to 1, Jacqueline. Um, Miguel Angel Jimenez, the mechanic, won at 22 to 1 in 2014. Can he rekindle some of that, uh, some of that old magic this week? We shall see. Uh, James Morrison, 2015, 225 to 1. Andrew Beef Johnson won a Valderrama 2016 at 100 to 1. No event in mm. 17. And then John Rahm won last year that, at that kind of pseudo linksy type track um, in Madrid again at 4 to 1 last week, uh, last year. So a bit of a mix there, ranging from 4 to 1 all the way up to 225 to 1. So uh, no, no real clues, I don't think, in terms of winning score or winning, winning odds. Who's going to be brave enough to lay John Rahm on the exchange this week? Yeah, well, he's the favourite, isn't he? Three to one, um, generally now. He's been backed in as well, so clearly there's a lot of excitement about Rahm. Um, I think, for me, he's going to have to putt far better than he did last week to even get close to contending. Um, but he absolutely loves these um, events that uh, where you can, you can get kind of 22, 25 under and... Uh, yeah. yeah, he's 3-1 for a reason. Yeah, he's, he's a flat-track bully. He's 3-1 to one for a reason. Um, so, yeah, it's a, a dangerous game if you're laying him. I, I, it, he's, he's the most likely winner. That's that's, that's fair, you know, clear to see, I think. Garcia, 6-1. to one. Cabrera Bello, 12-1. to Haltong Lee, 18-1. to one. Andrew Pavan, 18-1. to one. If Pavan had been a, a little bit longer, I'd have been quite interested. But 18-1, to one, given that you've got two guys at the top of the betting in, in Rahm and Garcia, who quite reasonably concerned, could walk away with this. It's just, it's just not an each-way bet for me. Adrian House, 33s. Ross Fisher, 45s. And 50-1 to one bar for the field. So you've got seven players in this field. At sub fifty to one, and then it's fifty to one field. It's it's quite a stretched field, very very quickly as you go down. Which uh, unbelievable. Which yeah, it does make it um, an interesting dilemma as to how to play that this week. And um, a couple of other stats just before I go into who I've gone for. Um, every winner that I read through from twenty ten of the Spanish Open had um achieved a top ten finish or at least one top ten finish in their last ten starts. So a smattering of form seems to be positive. 
but there's no real course form here um, in terms of um, in, in terms of the Spanish Open because you're going back to as I say the mid nineties before you're seeing that, and even when just looking at the Spanish Open in in uh, general, players have come here with no Spanish Open form and won on a different track. They've come here with good form and won. They've come here as a debutant as John Rahm did last year and won. So looking at previous Spanish Opens for a guide as to whether a player is going to go well or not um, could be um, a master stroke it could be a complete red herring it's fairly random from what I can see so that does leave you with a dilemma well, it leaves me with a dilemma as to how to play this because you could go for one of the players near the top and um, Ram could win this Sergio could win this and Ram's European tour record is phenomenal it's four European tour wins from 13 European tour starts so far and he does love a birdie fest as we've said here just needs to putt well and I think it'll be right in the mix defending champion can I just stop you let me just read this out sorry I just thought I'd dig into this Mm. Spanish winners of the Spanish Open yeah yeah Seve Ballesteros three times Sergio Garcia Alvaro Quiros Miguel Angel Jimenez and John Rahm. It doesn't say a lot for for you know the likes of players that could interest you. You know Pablo Larazabal. Um, who else could we be looking at? Jorge Campillo, Nacho yeah. Elvira. Yeah, those that that kind of second tier Spanish player to this point hasn't got the job done here. No, no, kind of a mid mid price Spanish player. Yeah, mm. you know, you, you know, I, I, even an Adrian else. I mean, he again, had he been a little bit longer, I could have been quite interested. You might have tempted on him, but it's short, isn't it? At twenty eight. Yeah, exactly. And um, you know, for a player who's still seeking that first European tour win, is he's one of the Alps tour. He's well capable of winning. Does he win his home Open for his first European tour title? It seems like a far. That's a quite a. That'd be a huge achievement if he was to do that. It does. It does feel feel a bit of a stretch, doesn't it? And yeah. um, it, it, it does. As I say, it kind of leaves you with this dilemma because uh, you could look at Ram. Ram could win quite easily. Sergio, if he putts well, could win. He won his last start, didn't he, at the KLM Open? And um, seven of his sixteen European Tour wins have come on Spanish soil. So clearly, he reacts on home soil. Um, but if you were back in a, a Pavan or a, a Cabrera Bello or Hao Tong Lee at those kind of sub. 20 to 1 prices you could be just staring at a, an each way place at best if one of those two guys goes and uh, I know what you need, into a mad win you need a Spanish speaking European tool proven winner <laughs> who isn't Spanish <laughs> yeah that kind of kind of kind of where I ended up going Steve funny really amazing yeah absolutely um I, yeah, I, I did go around the house with this, but I decided to play it quite aggressively. And I have put up Andres Romero mm. at 125 to 1 as my headline. Now, mm. this has all the hallmarks of a, a bet that could go completely horribly wrong. Or it's one that could be an absolute masterstroke. Because mm. this guy is miscut, missed cut City until such point as he decides to turn it on. And then the boy's a winner. He can go yeah. out and win. He's made a career teams. of that, though, Paul. Absolutely. And some good wins. Yeah, he has had some good wins. I mean, he won, he's won twice in the European Tour. He's won on the PGA Tour. Should have won the 2007 Open Championship at Carnoustie. Um, mm. He uh, 
was he, he double bogeyed the 17th and bogeyed the 18th to miss the playoff with uh, Sergio and uh, and Padraig by a shot. That should have been his uh, claret jug to take home. But, if you uh, were to if you were to categorise him, as we do. You know, you said to me, Tom Lewis, we need a we need a nice wide course on the United States where he can score. That could be Houston next week. Yeah, I doubt if it's this week at at um, TPC Summerlin. He's a real eye catcher last week, by the way. Tom yeah, Lewis. yeah, 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 yeah. So he's definitely on the radar for next week, which probably means he wins this week. But um, Andres Romero, wild, wild striker with the ball off the tee, but a phenomenal scorer and putter. He just needs width. Yeah. A course that gives him that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I can see the logic here. Yeah. And I, I think there is enough. It is tree line, but as I said to you, it's wide enough to, to get away with some shots and to play some recovery shots. But the real key is getting up and down and making your birdies. And uh, when his game's on, absolutely. Yeah. And he was T2 at altitude a few weeks ago, wasn't he, at the um, European Masters? He was, yeah. That was um, he lost out in a playoff that week um, to Sebastian Soderberg. Shot sixty one on the Friday that week, which was an incredible round um, around that that particular track. Um, he's finished sixth at the Spanish Open in the past, back in two thousand and seven. He finished third on Spanish soil back in two thousand and five, which was his best professional um, result at the time on the Challenge Tour. And um, he, he comes here. He arrives here after two miscuts on the trot. That's what you expect with Andres Romero. He come. He's, he's kind of miscut, miscut win. That's the, the way the guy guy rolls. So I'm not in the slightest bit worried about that. He won the BMW International Open um, a couple of seasons back after four consecutive miscuts. Um, similar kind of price. So if he's going to win, it's going to come from seemingly out of the blue. But as you say, he's, he's arriving with some relatively recent. Um, form some relatively recent good form um, at uh, at Grand Sourcier. some strong Argentinian ties with this as well with Ricardo Gonzalez winning the, at this track back in two thousand and three. Um, interestingly, he also won at Grand Sourcier in his career as well. So uh, perhaps uh, some kind of uh, tenuous links there. And um, his boyhood hero Eduardo Romero uh, won on this track back in 1991. So can he he follow in his um, idol's footsteps nearly 30 years further down the line? Um, I think 125 to 1 is a fair price to take that chance and see if he's... uh, see if he can do just that. So, so yeah, I've headlined with Andres this week. See how he gets on. Uh, Three others I've gone for. Callum Shinkwin is slightly more... um, Standard bet here based on some some strong recent form and Callum going back to last week Matt Southgate we've seen so many players who um, struggle to get over the line and Southgate's you know clearly one who's um, needs needs to just get that in his head get that final bit of mental um, fortitude I guess that's allowing to get over the line. But we've seen the likes of um, Jorge Campillo and um, Eric Van Rooyen, both of them get over the line this year so far. And um, Callum Shinkwin's another who's in that same same kind of category for me. You remember back to the uh, Scottish Open a couple of years ago where he basically, it was his title to to win. He's, he's walking up the up the 18th tee, um, up the 18th fairway, ball in the middle of the fairway. Par five needs to make a par to win the tournament and uh, contrives to make a six, 
lets Rafa Cabrera bellow into the uh, into the playoff, which he subsequently loses, and um, that, that's you know, that's a dagger to the heart when that kind of thing happens. Um, recently as well, he's had another chance. He was uh, he was joint lead going into Sunday at the KLM Open um, alongside um, Sergio Garcia a few weeks back, and uh, and drifted away on the Sunday, fin- finished fifth eventually. Um, but there's enough to like, I think, in his game to suggest that he can he can do well here this week, I think. Two Eagles, 41 birdies in his last two outings. Second to halfway last time he played a Spanish Open. Um, I think over time, these kind of players will slowly get to understand what it is they need to do on a Sunday that's going to get them over the line. And Eric Van Royen's a perfect example of that. Um, you know, you get chance after chance after chance, and then one Sunday, feels calm, goes out, everything clicks, and bang, away you go. Shoots a nice bogey-free sixty-six or sixty-five or whatever it is that he did to win the uh, tournament a few weeks back, and uh, it gets that monkey off of his back. And I think Callum's in the same kind of boat. Fifty to one's the the, the reward for taking on uh, Callum Shinkman this week, and I think he's a decent bet with his uh, with his current form. Right now, um, a couple of eighty to one shots to finish. First up, Rick, Rickard Karlberg. He's another one who struggled a little bit with injury, but also struggled with the mental side of the game as well. And he took entire two thousand and eighteen off to get himself uh, to get himself straight. Basically, um, he kind of we've seen a few stories. These these pros who've kind of fallen out of love with the game and really struggling with the. Uh, the mental aspects of it, and he's another one of these guys who's um, who's had to take some time out to to work out how to best approach the the second kind of second phase of his career. But he's uh, seems to have come back strong. He's eased himself back in on a medical extension, got a bit of confidence on the Challenge Tour by notching a couple of top six finishes, and then he's come back to the European Tour in this extension and uh, finished fifth at the Czech Masters, sixth at the KLM Open. And uh, showing some decent form, he's the kind of player I think who who wins a Spanish Open. Is that kind of that kind of ilk? I think. Um, his one win came in Milan at the, the Italian Open on a very similar setup, tree line track, um, Ben Poa greens, similar length. It, it, oh. A lot of correlation there in terms of the way that mm. sets up. And for me, this does feel more like a an Italian Open type setup than a kind of a a tough Spanish Open. It's certainly not a Valderrama type setup, that's for sure. And um, also finished second to Chris Wood at Wentworth the year after um, that effort in uh, Italy, uh, Kohlberg. So um, again, for some tree-lined form, there's um, a very strong indicator there that he can play this kind of golf. Um, eighty to one was the price that I took with Kohlberg, and also took eighty to one with Wade Ormsby, um, who's just one of a handful of players with some proper tangible course form here this week finished sixth and 12th here in 2004 and five when it was played as the Open to Madrid back then and um, for his eight rounds that he played over those two years he shot 65 66 three times in a 67 clearly suits his eye um, and uh, I think he could go well again this week ninth at the Spanish Open in 2015 fifth at Valderrama in 2017 so he's got some good Spanish form um, in the wider context too and for me, this kind of shorter setup is absolutely where he can come to the fore. He won at Fanling at the um, Hong Kong Open um, as his only European Tour win. Eighth at Cranston-Sierre earlier this year, a few weeks back. And that backs up a decent uh, season that he's had where he finished second, second at the Vic Open. 
um, eighth at the Swedish or the uh, Scandinavian Invitational. And right now he's sitting 71st in the race to Dubai. So after a couple of missed cuts at uh, Wentworth and then again last week at uh, St Andrews, he needs to seriously pull his finger out if he's going to make the top 60. So needs must for Wade Ormsby this week. But yeah, that's where I am. So Ormsby, Kohlberg, both 80 to 1, Shinkwin at 50s and Andres Romero at 125 to 1 are the four that I've gone through this week. I like Romero, yeah. yeah I think he's worth a pun. I do. I, you know, mm. you, you can play these weeks quite safely um, and I could quite easily have gone for a hefty Andrea Pavan pun. And if you'd have got eight places with kind of mid-twenties to one, maybe maybe it would have been worth taking on. But he could have finished second to John Rahm, who, who, who <laughs> walks out the eight-shot winner and you, you're struggling to make uh, you know to even break even on the week with that kind of bet so uh, so yeah I've gone, gone a little bit more um, further down the list this week for for my picks I'm just gonna have to I'm I'm gonna have to have a bet on Harold Varner I think <laughs> <laughs> I can I can just see it mate I can see it yeah I cover him express, off in the exchange like an express to... train hurtling towards me with the headlights on yeah. I'm t- and I'm tied to the rails. <laughs> Cover your week off on the, on the exchange and be done with it. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. But we will see. The joys of golf betting. Mm-hmm. Thank you for your time, as ever. Yeah, best of luck, Steve, this week. Got best a winner coming, Steve. I can, oh. I can feel a winner coming. So uh, it's just. We need, we need a winner desperately. It's coming. Thank you to you. Thanks to the listeners. As ever, we will be back again next week for the Italian Open on the European Tour and uh, the Shell... Oh, it's not the Shell Houston Open. It's the Houston Open on the PJ Tour. So two decent events to get stuck into again next week from a betting perspective. As ever... You can follow us on Twitter. I'm at uh, Bamford Golf. Paul is at Golf Betting. And if you could leave us a review, it would be absolutely fantastic. Thanks for listening. See you again soon.